Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. We've just lost 90% of our young audience out there. Who's Susan Lucci? I don't know why they're an old lady voice, but anyways. And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> he, Yeah, exactly. You can for all you want. You agree to disagree. <laughs> Disney fight. <laughs> See, two dudes talking about Disney. Oh, yeah, so many viewers. We just lost so many. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. What's up, Mike? Not much. We are about to enter the spy zone. That that sounds cool, right? Can I can I insert some nineteen seventies funk music right there? I will pause for that funk music. That sounded like porn music. It's like, well, that's but kind is it of, the same? That's it's the same. <laughs> we'll we'll get into it. Oh, we are going to be talking about the nineteen seventy five film Three Days of the Condor, starring Robert Redford, directed by Sidney Pollack, also starring Faye Dunaway. Excuse me. Uh, before we uh, actually, you know what? I'm just going to go right into it. Oh, Three Days sad. of the Condor has a runtime of one hundred and seventeen minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $7.8 million. As I said, it was released in 1975, September 24th, 1975. Uh, opening weekend, I do not have that. Uh, th- again, once one, as we, this is probably the third or fourth 70s film we have done. Yep. So those kind of records are not really well kept, I guess. So they're not really well reported. I'm interested. We have an even older film coming up in a few weeks. We do. I, um, I've forgotten already. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we have a 1950s film. So I don't know. We do. Gonna, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So well, that's probably going to be nothing. Yeah. Are we going to get any information? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So I have a domestic gross of 41 million and a worldwide of 41, obviously, because it, I don't believe it was either released internationally or maybe it just didn't do a lot of business. But that 41 million is the number that I only found at one place. And I and it was like three other numbers that I found. Like I found 32. I found 27. Yeah, I was going to say you have different numbers. Than no. I have. So I got the 41 million <laughs> off of Wikipedia. Uh, I just went with the higher number to try to give it a little uh, bump, I guess. <laughs> that makes more sense because I have I actually wrote down production budget of 20. I had no, I had 20 million as well. That's on, I believe that's on either IMDb or IMDb Pro. Yeah, that's on the But IMDb's. on Wikipedia, the production put the 7.8 million. That I thought that was sense. too exact to, for it to be wrong. Like, I thought 20 million was just the number they tossed out. 20 million seems too high because when you also 70s. go on IMDb, you also get that their take was only 27. Yeah. But this is supposed to be like a pretty good movie. Yeah. And that most people so, had seen. So, supposed to be. This is a pretty well, good Well, this is the first time I had seen it. Gotcha. So when I read that, I was like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, I, I agree. So I think the 7.8 is a little too exact to not be right. Yeah. So, so we, I went with that. All right. So released September 24th, as I said, the three days before it on the 21st, you had Dog Day Afternoon, which is a very, very, very good movie. And then two days after the 24th on the 26th, you had Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, I don't know if Rocky Horror Picture Show was a hit when it first came out. I don't believe so. As I you're don't believe, your head. I don't believe it's it was. It's obviously a cult hit now. Yes. So... But as you can tell, movies, we talk about this already uh, back in the 70s and probably even into the 80s. You didn't have five movies that opened on a on a Friday. Uh, You just had the movies came out and they were in the theater for a while. And that was the only movie you could go see. Uh, I mean, Jaws is out for like a full eight months or something like that. Right. Well, yeah, this is this is before the multiplex. Star Wars 77 created the need for them. Right. So right now we're looking at. Two screen theaters. Well, Jaws is always considered the first blockbuster movie, right? It's the first blockbuster, yeah. But Star Wars is when they decided, hey, we need multiple screens. Correct. So let's get into some of the uh, people behind the camera. As I said before, Sidney Pollack is the director. You may know him from such great movies as Tootsie, uh, The Firm, Michael Clayton, Jeremiah Johnson. He also directed Out of Africa, which he won the Oscar for. Uh, Written by Lorenzo Semple Jr. And there's two writers here, and I... This is this is on me because I didn't I don't believe they wrote it together. I think one wrote the original and then the other person kind of came in and rewrote it kind of thing. Or did I changes. believe Lorenzo wrote the original right. and David because he works with Sydney wrote the rewrite. Okay, I believe I believe that's correct. Uh, Lorenzo, Mr. Semple Junior's uh, resume includes such films as The Parallax View, which is a very good movie, King Kong, the original King Kong, Flash Gordon, and Never Say Never Again. 
I, I, I wrote Never Say Never again. Yeah, as well. I know like, you gotta, did. Gotta throw in that bond. I was like, hey, look, that's James Bond. Michael, love that. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't love Never Say Never Again, but I love that he wrote it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I well, bet you would love the fact he, that he was a Bond. Guy. He wrote the original Kong. He wrote the 1976 Kong. That's what I meant. That's, I'm sorry. That's yeah. what I meant. I meant because I'm thinking of the one that came out 10 years ago. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. What about the one that came out 15 years ago? <laughs> uh, how old am I? There's uh, four Kongs now, man. <laughs> David Ray Feel File Ray File Feel. I I, don't, I was saying I was saying feel in my okay. head, but I don't know. That's fine. Uh, he wrote the firm. Uh, Havana and Sabrina all those three were the Sabrina from 1995 with Harrison Ford and Greg Kinnear which I kind of liked um, and I like the original too uh, all those um, all those movies were directed by Cindy Pollack so obviously as Mike said before obviously he's somebody he's worked with he's got an uncredited uh, he's got a couple uncredited credit on stuff. Absence of Malice yeah. for Sidney Pollack as well Music by David Dave Grusin he uh, you ever seen Murder by Death I don't know we have talked about Murder by Death no it's it's good it's a little problematic for today's time because it does have some kind of stereotypes going on in there because it's supposed to be a group of world detectives, but they're based upon um, uh, famous uh, literary detectives like and there's Columbo in there and stuff like that. But you have um, they have someone playing is it, uh, not Confucius, but he it's is basically it's it's a white guy playing. Uh, it's it, it's yeah. like I said, it's problematic. It's definitely problematic. I don't think we're going to do that. No, one, I'm not saying I'm not saying <laughs> that. I feel you should still watch it because it's got a lot of good comedians in there, but I'm not sitting there endorsing any of that. Uh he's also written in Justice for All and he won the Oscar for the Milagro Beanfield War, which is actually directed by Robert Redford. Cinematography by Owen Roisman. Uh we did did one of his movies, The French Connection, Tootsie, yep. Exorcist and Network and the uh 90s Adams Family movie. Oh, interesting. For those of my generation. Interesting. Uh, as I said uh, several times, Robert Redford is in this movie. He plays Joe Turner or codename Condor. Um, do I really need to go into what Robert Redford has been in? Let's uh, do it anyways. I, I wrote uh, Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid. Correct. And uh, he's Robert Redford. And The Sting. <laughs> the Natural. All, all the, the President's, President's Men. Yep. Sneakers. He, Spy Game. Yep. I like he, Spy Game. He won the Oscar for directing Ordinary People. And he, I believe he has an honorary one for acting, which... I mean, he probably could have got. He should have got it at some point. Uh, I'm a I'm a Redford fan. Faye Dunaway plays Kathy. She is from Chinatown. What another one we have done for Forgotten Cinema? Bonnie and Clyde, Mommy Dearest. She won the Oscar for Network. Cliff Robertson, who everyone knows as uh, <laughs> Uncle Ben in Spider Man. That's right. But did you know he was an Oscar award winner for Charlie? I did not know that. Yes. Uh, he's also you probably seen him in Escape from L.A. Max 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 von Sydow as Jobert. Um, he is, I really like Needful Things, so I always bring up Needful Things when we talk about Max von Sydow, but he's also from The Exorcist, The Seventh Seal, Minority Report, and John Houseman, Mr. Wabash, who won the Oscar uh, for his, uh, for the paper chase. He was in The Fog, Rollerball, and you may know him from the Smith Barney commercials. Do you remember those? Okay, so there's an old guy, and he'd be talking about, Smith Barney, they're going to invest your money, oh, okay, blah, blah, yeah. blah. He's like, mm. they make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. And he like lands on that. <laughs> that's how I guarantee you people our age. That's where they know him from. They don't realize that he is an Oscar award winner. <laughs> no disrespect. He won an Oscar for his performance in that commercial. <laughs> so before we get into our viewing notes and some other facts and a variety of things, let me just I've been tasked with the synopsis. You have of three days of the condor. So before you begin, ooh, what's going on? Get your elbows off the table. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Here we go. <laughs> on a seemingly ordinary day, Joe Turner, a quiet CIA codebreaker, walks into his worst workplace after he has gone out for a lunch run and finds that all of his coworkers have been murdered. Horrified, Joe flees the scene and tries to tell his supervisors about the tragedy. Unfortunately, he soon learns that the CIA Higher-ups were involved in the murders with no one to trust and a merciless hitman close on his tail. That is Jobert, played by Max von Sydow. Joe must somehow survive long enough to figure out why his own agency wants him dead. Uh, what's not in this uh, synopsis is that there is a CIA within the CIA. And if that sounds vaguely familiar, that was part of the plot of the Captain America Winter Soldier, the second one, right? Which well, yeah, where you learn Hydra. Whereas Hydra yeah. was inside Shield. That's kind of where they got that from. It's kind of an homage or a, <laughs> a ripoff. But um, and Redford's in that too. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's. What, I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that's partly why Redford's in that uh, because of that um, that connection. So yeah. So it's definitely a '70s spy 
Uh, it's definitely a spy thriller, but it's a 70s, like, uh, I can't think of the type of, kind of like a distrust of the government kind of movie, like the Parallax View, like All the President's Men. Just There was a series of movies that came out in the 70s after the Watergate scandal that I guess writers' reactions and directors and filmmakers' reactions were just how they view the world. The, the, a string of these conspiracy movies came out. Right. And I just mentioned Parallax View and All the President's Men. You had the conversation, which we just did. Capricorn One, Cutter's Way, Telephone, uh, or Telephone, Winter Kills, Domino Principle, and Good Guys Wear Black. All these movies that came out in the 70s after Watergate were kind of a direct reflection of how people were feeling in terms of just kind of, I don't know, not angst, but nervousness or anxiousness about the government and and how it relates to modern modern life at that point yeah i mean that's it's very similar also the star chamber was kind of similar mm-hmm. in terms of you know government can't get it done right absolutely which is another movie we did yes. I, that was season one right that was season one it was so a while ago yeah this is also the seventh film that pollock and redford have worked on together now i know you're not going to get any of these i think so uh, can you get at least one of them can you pick another? Uh, I've already mentioned some of the movies that they've done together. I don't remember yeah, exactly. So they have, this is their, this is actually their, I believe it's their fourth time together, but previously they did, this is, this property is condemned. Jeremiah Johnson, The Way We Were. It's with Barbara Streisand. That would have been the one I named. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Condor, as we said, uh, Three Days of the Condor, The Electric Horseman, Out of Africa, and Havana. So they Okay, I've seen Havana ago. and Out of Africa. City so. Pollock has since passed away, I think a couple years ago. Yes. Um, he, people might, he was in the firm I believe you know he directed, but I think he was in the firm. He acts as he acts in some of the movies as well. Not even his movies that he's um, he's directed. He'll yeah, be he's in other been movies. In stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, I, I actually really like Sidney Pollack as a director and as an actor. He does seem to work with, like you said, he worked with Robert Redford a bunch. He does seem to work with his crew. Mm-hmm. If you look at his crew, they're yeah. all very similar as well. This movie was nominated for an Oscar for editing. It lost to Jaws, which makes sense. because <laughs> <laughs> everything probably lost to Jaws. So I'm curious. Obviously, we start this off usually with some kind of question or I don't know where we go. We usually just kind of <laughs> spitball it. But you had not seen this movie. And I, had I And I saw you a couple of days ago. We see each other quite often. And uh, <laughs> and I said, hey, did you watch Connor? You're like, eh. And I instantly was concerned. Uh, I honestly, I know it was like in film class, we'd never watched it. But, you know, a lot of people that are really into film talk about Three Days of the Condor and I guess it's a very influential spy movie. I can definitely see seeds of like, I don't know. I think the Bourne um, novels were written beforehand. Okay. Um, but I can see how the film is very much influenced by this film. Well, we should also say that this movie is based on a novel in and of it itself. It is as well, yep. Uh, the, the book is called Six Days with the Condor, and that was written by James Grady. Yep. So before we keep before going. Before we keep going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which might, that might have been written before Bourne. I'm not sure when the book was written. But I can see like the influences there. Uh, but it's just, I, I wasn't as impressed as I thought I would be with Interesting. the film in terms of like how it was made and stuff. I, I kind of enjoy the story, but I, I didn't enjoy. Well, give me something. Give me something specific. Uh, the so first, can, first so I off, can attack you. And I understand <laughs> that this is of the time, and you're, that's how you're going to attack me. But the music, no, not at all. The music sucks. Okay, now, the music blows. You're talking about the opening song. Well, no, all the funky music. I, I, okay. I get that it's a product of the '70s, but it really undercuts the seriousness of all the scenes when you go wow, and he's looking at his murdered friends and colleagues, or he's all sad, and you get funky jazz or sex music, and it's just constant throughout it, and that's. Half my notes are this note, really? This is what you're playing? Well, I actually like the opening song because the opening song, when then when he shows up, he's late for work and you got to meet everybody in the office and you kind of get well, an that's, idea what That's do. okay, I, but yeah. But I think that lulls you into a sense of like, ah, oh, it's just a normal day. But once the film starts, you don't need sure. that anymore. No, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, you're talking about once they get murdered. Once they get murdered. Right, See, okay. a lot of it in the 70s, it seems, especially in like the, the early mid 70s, you've got your scores are, are funky or you've got like French Connection, which very minimal score like almost no score at all mm. and this movie would have done much better i think with almost no score at all put that music at the beginning mm-hmm. i love the record he plays at the end in the uh the guy's house oh right when he's gonna get him but i i don't want the the music really undercuts the seriousness of the film and undercuts a lot of the emotion that is trying to be portrayed by the actors mm-hmm. in the scenes well i know you said that i'm gonna tell you it's of the time so i'm gonna tell you that you have a time the filmmaking in the 70s was a shift between how and it didn't start in the 70s it obviously started in the late 60s mid 60s right where you had uh 
new directors, new filmmakers, new composers, new people onto the scene that were wanted to not make their mark, but they were doing different things. They were going against what the establishment was already doing in Hollywood. Hey, man, I get that fight. And the that's establishment, what you have. But and to, for good or for bad, whether it fits or it doesn't fit, maybe Three Years of the Condor would have the the soundtrack would have been better suited with form of a more traditional, more spy thriller type soundtrack. Um, but they opted to do this 70s style. But, but also that's what audiences might have craved. That's what they're into. I get it. There is definitely a shift going on in the, through the 10 to 15 years that this movie is dead in the middle of where, you know, they're just trying to like, I don't want to say put their mark, but they're just, they're doing their thing They're, You know what I mean? I get that. And I, but I've also seen films in the mid seventies and the late sixties sure. that do this better. I got that you. would still, even if it was funky, Put the emotion in there. Do, put the right note in there. Put a dour note when somebody dies, and not just go into the 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 funky wave pedal and or the the saxophone right away with okay. a with a major note maybe instead of a minor key when it well, should be minor. Well, what about this? What about a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy that uses popular music in in uh, in their soundtrack primarily more than score? Does that bother you as much? Even if, though you like that music, if the music doesn't fit the scene, it will okay. bother me still. I okay. think Guardians is a good job of putting the songs in that really fit around it. I know we poop on the Marvel movies all the time, but we're not pooping on the Marvel movies. We're just, you know, they're just, you know, yeah, we don't, we, we, we kind of bring the truth to the Marvel movies. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the Guardians movies quite a bit. I think they're a, kind of a step above the most. That's of the probably Marvel a bad films. example because it is supposed to represent his time. But I don't want to talk right. about Guardians of the Galaxy. I want to <laughs> exactly. talk about Three of the Condor. But I mean, if if this movie used more popular music, maybe yeah. that would work better. Again, it's just. Fitting the note, fitting the key that's okay. supposed to be there. Like at the end, when Robert Redford's character Condor is talking to Higgins, and he leaves into the crowd, you've got a little bit of that note. You got a little bit of a correct beat, and then you go into the Christmas music, which I also was not a big fan of. The Why Christmas. really? I just think it was unnecessary. You didn't have a lot of decorations. It didn't fit into the film at all. It just seemed to put it in a specific time period that I think would have fit better if I didn't know when in New York it was. They're wearing coats. It's rainy. Who knows when it's, it could be? It's supposed to be it, it, the note. It's supposed to be in the winter. The movie is set oh, in the winter, I, I but they that, shot yeah. it in the autumn to the point where they had to remove leaves from trees and stuff like that to make it look barren. So that's probably where you have the Christmas music coming in, but you don't see a lot of decorations kind of thing. So because they're you're downtown New York City and you know what I mean? They're at the, yeah, by I, the Trade Center. I don't really need the I mean, I get wanting to look without the leaves and stuff because I think that would have added color to the right. gray. Um, which was clearly the color scheme they were going for, but I didn't need the. I I, I thought the need for Christmas stuff was a little unnecessary. When I started playing, I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> "So your your biggest problem is music right now." Right now, I think the music really detracts from that's it. Your, that's your again. That's your first problem. There's other stuff that I'm sure. not a huge fan of in terms of like camera work and stuff. That's just a product of the '70s. But sure, the it wasn't there yet. Um, so I don't really. See, I like the grittiness of the New York City. I like the way I like New York City in the 70s. 70s New Oxel. York City looks great. Yeah, absolutely. There are other things like the fact that he has to wear that trench coat with the big collar up for the rest of the time. Once he becomes a spy, I thought it was a little too heavy. handed. Redford? Redford. Which part? Uh, after he goes to see uh, Max von Sydow. Is it Sido or Sido? Uh, Max von Sydow. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> once he goes to see, once he goes, um, <laughs> Joe Bear. After he sees him the first time, and then he gets the coat from Kathy's boyfriend, husband, wherever he is. Oh, oh, okay. And then he's wearing the trench coat with the with the collar up the rest of the time. I'm like, I get it, man. You're 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 a cool super spy now. Uh, okay. Jeez, hate on this movie. <laughs> then there are other moments where there are just like inconsistencies, which again is a product of the '70s. Maybe you didn't have um, people really looking at that. Like in one scene, he doesn't have gloves, and all of a sudden he's got gloves on. Uh, that's toward the beginning, I believe, when he's still before pre trench coat. He okay. just all of a sudden has gloves. Just little things like that, which that doesn't detract from me. But you're bringing um, it up. Because <laughs> it's it's a product of the 70s. Which right, right. What? The happens. Bad filmmaking? <laughs> Sloppy filmmaking? Sloppy filmmaking. Mistakes like that that can't be fixed later on. They didn't have the timer. Like once a film was more expensive back then, you could just shot on shoot on digital. You can't go all sure. day. The budgets weren't you know, infinite like they are now. Well, I also know that he was prepping in all his free time during this movie. He was actually prepping for all the president's men. So he didn't really wasn't really like just kind of hanging around set. Like once he wasn't shooting, he was getting ready for the next movie, which was obviously all like I said, all the presidents, men, which so. is a fantastic movie. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, but I'm also going to tell you that this is a fantastic movie. I it's not that I don't like this movie. It's right. just that 
I was watching it with this. This is this is what happens when you get told a movie's fantastic. This is what happens. I call it the Monty Python and the Holy Grail effect. You tell someone to watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You tell them it's the funniest movie of all time. If they've never seen it before, and now they see it now after all the hype that's online, on TV, everybody talks about it, then they watch it. Right. They're not going to like it as much. Let's see the, the, how to combat it's that. It's funny, but it's it's tough. How to combat that, and with this movie, and I know you're not going to do this, is to watch this movie again in a month or so. It's to just watch it again. That's that's where I... like like If this was on TV again, I'd watch it. I, I got you, but I'm, that's that's where you would develop you would develop an appreciation for the movie, and you would further distance yourself from the hype of everyone telling you that this movie is great, this movie is great. Like I've had that with movies where I've we've walked out of movies where we watched together in the theater and I was like, yeah, it's okay. And then I'll watch it again. I'm like, I kind of like this movie a little bit more. I mean, that happened with, um, what did that happen with? That kind of probably happened with baby driver a little bit for me. Really? I, thought well, you liked baby I did like baby driver, yeah. but I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. I mean, when I put, it wasn't on your top 10 list until right, now. Right. Right. So like that kind of thing. So well, that happened with one of the movies on, um, on this podcast, right? Which one? Um, uh, so many. Was a few weeks ago, there was one that you didn't like. As much you thought it was okay that I had put on the list, and you watched it again, you were talking about how you actually really liked it. This was this year, last uh, this past season, I believe so. Oh, New Jack City. Oh, okay. how you remember being eh, and then this right. time you kind of had more of appreciation for well, it. Well, but the New Jack City, just like this movie, is a movie that's set in that time, so it's a product of that time. That you know, uh, early, late eighties, early nineties. I'm already blanking again. Uh, late late eighties for New Jack City. It, was when it the takes place in the late eighties, yeah. but it was filmed right. in the early nineties. Right. right. So that's a movie that was representative of the filmmakers and the writers' reactions to the crack epidemic in in the country back right. then. This movie is the same. Where it's a it's a like we talked about before, a response to the Watergate scandal and and just distrust of the government. Of, right. you know, distrust, distrust of the government. So yeah, that's a nice that's a nice correlation. Nice job. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I know we're getting negative, so I'm going to tell you the one thing I I didn't really I, I question uh, and that's the sex scene oh i have the same issues with this now scene. but that's it's if, if. <laughs> <laughs> well so basically what happens is he kidnaps kathy he at random uh, this is condor he kidnaps kathy at random he takes he has her take he has her take her to his hat her apartment he needs her basically to help him try to figure out what's going on it's like a home base kind of thing right he needs a home base that's not connected to right. him at all now he and what ends up happening is like he ties her up and whatever they go through a series of things and she ends up basically I guess falling for him at some point Stockholm syndrome whatever yeah they they have sex <laughs> this is I, I view this type of movie as a gritty spy thriller and that's not something that would be in a gritty spy thriller this like oh oh uh, Condor like oh it, that would be in a James Bond movie you mean the sudden romantic lighting yeah. that just appears out of nowhere and lights his lips like the, the and light again, bulb <laughs> we already just got through talking about it's the seventies and you have two of the hottest probably act. Hottest by mean popular, not oh my god, they're hot. But you, you have two of the 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 most popular people in I mean, Red, film right now. Redford's Faye like Dunaway the, uh, and Rob the Redford. Brad Pitt of right. The people are there to see those two, <laughs> so people are obviously there. They're not going to complain when those two are together, uh, you know, sexually on screen. And Fine, then I will. <laughs> it's unearned and it's rapey. It, like I said, it doesn't make any sense because if this was a James Bond movie, you would be okay with that because that's what James Bond is known for, like ravishing the ladies even in, in, the, in the time of danger. This is not that type of spy movie. That's true, but James Bond is... I'm not he talking can about get James a, Bond now. I'm talking about James Bond then. Even then, he could get a little like, oh, come on, man, but he straight up's like abusing this lady. And then they have sex. He's got to be two seconds after what he says. I get that. But then, oh, man, she's just like, oh, yeah, now take me. It's just un so unearned. Obviously. At least James Bond at some point, he's putting some charm on her. Robert Redford <laughs> never, he never put some charm on her. Put, put he some never, charm on you, girl. James Bond would apologize. He would be like, listen, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, he would absolutely not apologize. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. If he kidnapped Sean her? Connery as James Bond slapped a woman in one of the movies. And they're like one of the first two movies. He slapped a woman. So it's at the beginning that the they have that sour <laughs> relationship. And then at the end, after he saved her, this is just like, she still has no proof he's a real CIA agent. He could still be crazy. He's forced her to sleep with him, like literally sleep with him, like take a nap. He didn't. Well, he had to, or she was going to. Listen, I, I get that. I just, it's, the sex scene is ridiculous. And oh, then the music. I'm not uh, agreeing. I, well, you don't like the slow close up of the park bench where you're like, yeah, park bench. Because she takes a photo of a park bench and she has it on the wall. So, so instead of cutting away to it, as they usually do the, the windows and the drapes, they just slowly zoom in on this park photos? bench. I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? Ooh, yeah, park lonely bench. photos. She's not so Winter lonely park anymore. Bench, baby. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I agree with you. It doesn't fit. 
but I do not agree with your <laughs> idea that of this James Bond puts a little charm on it. He has never gone this far as as far as this movie takes it. Like right away, anyway. <laughs> James Bond. I don't, I don't want to like argue. Maybe, with like maybe if Redford had sex with her at the very end. If that doesn't After make it, everything's already happened. The, the, but it would ruin the the last no. scene where any the, kind of sex scene. It doesn't fit in right. the movie. He, it shouldn't be there. Right. But, but I'm saying if again, it was. It's in there because you have Robert Redford, you have Faye Dunaway. This is, I'm the, sure they know, were like, we need, right. we need a scene. I would wonder if it's in the book. That's what I was going to say. It could have been in the book. And it was six days, not three days. So there's a little bit longer in the book to conceivably believe that she would be with him that way, I now, guess. Did you, did you find a reason why they decided to shorten it to three? I just think for the sake of the movie, the just to keep it shorter. It right. Okay. It's six days. You probably end up having him like just like hold up for a day doing nothing, you know, that kind of stuff like yeah. that. So to kind of keep the story moving along to be quick and fast and got to go here, got to go here, got to here. You know, I think it, that's why they have it three days because he goes to Washington towards the end. Like he goes to the Atwood's house right, in yeah. Washington where he sees Jobert again. Now we've just gone negative the whole way. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> you, you wanted me to give my opinion. I don't usually go negative. No, no, no. But, that's fine. That's know. absolutely fine. I'm okay with it. Did you know that Pollock sued a Danish TV company? They um they aired it in Panish Scan, Panish Scan version. I don't know if people are familiar. This was shot two three five, which is widescreen, which is the black bars on the screen. And when you watch it on TV, and that's not an issue, you should like that because you see everything. <laughs> but when a lot of times back in the day, when they would put it on TV, a lot of people didn't have TVs that they don't have sixteen by nine TVs anymore. They have flat right, screens, widescreen. Right, they had the uh, the box, the four three format. So they would do pan and scan, which is instead of shrinking the image, they would just they'd keep the regular aspect ratio, and they would just Digitally scan the image to the part of the of the the frame that you should see, and it, it looks horrible. Panascan sucks. I hate Panascan. I, I can't remember. We first started getting laser discs, and then we'd accidentally buy the Panascan version. We would be like, "Come on!" I hate Panascan. I used to return DVDs for being the full screen version instead of the wide. Yes. Screen. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> so he sued them, saying that it was they were. Uh, damaging his work they were they were like cutting like making a mockery of because this was his work this was his art well right he lost but uh th- i just thought that was interesting because i was like yeah that's right you, you should sue them pen and scan should go away forever that's mostly going away no because it is but now what they do because they'll even when a movie's like widescreen they'll blow it up a little they'll they'll stretch, yeah and and they won't pan and scan anymore but you can tell that it's off because hbo does it a lot and you can tell that they they just don't bother to like you'll see people on the outside of the frame like but they're talking in a conversation yeah you're like mm, come on this isn't right I hate that I like, just show it in its original format okay that's my that's the end of the PSA <laughs> so I didn't have was aside from the sex scene I really didn't have and although I will tell you this the sex scene aside the only. <laughs> I like it because it makes her line the next morning oh, that that's, much that's more funny. That's my favorite line yeah. in the movie. When he, so they've had sex and the next morning she's, he's making coffee and he's like, I need your help again. I need you to go, you know, whatever. She, he's basically got a plan. And she's like, you can always depend on me, the spy fucker. And he, <laughs> it's always depend on the old spy fucker. Yeah, I know. I just thought it was funny. You don't have to help, you know? No, I'll help. I always depend on the old spy fucker. Because then, oh, I'm just kidding. But I was laughing. So, I mean, I thought that was, and I almost wonder if, like, she was like, I, I almost wonder if the conversation came up during the shoot. Like, why would I have sex with this guy? Why? Like, she's not going to complain. I uh, There's a comment where Faye Dunham was like, I'm not going to complain. It's Robert Redford, you know. That, that. Yeah. But I, there had to be a conversation while they're shooting going, like, why would I suddenly just have sex with this guy? So, can I say, I wonder if that line came from that. Or she made a joke about it offset, off Yeah, and they thought and they were it was like, funny. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you, are there any other lines in the movie that you enjoyed? Cause there, I have a couple written down. I I really like how, how does he know how to do this? He reads, sir. Oh, he I reads, know. he reads everything. <laughs> I understand. Question was, Mr. Higgins, is he qualified with a handgun? No handgun, sir. M1 rifle and carbine. Evidently it was sheer luck. Or else. Yes. Or else what, Mr. Higgins? Miss Condor isn't the man his file says he is. Then where did he learn evasive moves? He reads. He reads. What the hell does that mean? It means, sir, that he reads everything. I don't understand. Yes. Very good. (laughs) I I thought that's really cool. I really like his character. Yeah. I like that he's good at being a spy because he just reads everything. So he can just pick up on stuff. But he's not a spy. He's he's not. He's an analyst. Well, he's a a Jack Ryan. He's become a spy. Yeah, he's, he's a Jack Ryan character, which is interesting as well. Because like when he, they grab Higgins and they have him in the car and he's looking for a, the transmitter and he's like, you really do read everything. Yeah. yeah. 
And I really like, I like his job. I think his section of the CIA is really interesting and, and really cool to look at. Like, I'm sure they really do have that where well, they look I, for stuff in popular works. I read it really quickly and I don't know if this is accurate, but they didn't. But then after this, either the book or the movie came out, I believe Russia had it. They, the KGB started one and then the Americans did that. So I don't, that's what I read, but that might not be right. Nice. But uh, so I, <laughs> if they didn't, then they do now, which makes sense. Cause that's how you first influence any kind of, uh, populist, not even just in this country, but any other country, you start with the literature, you start with what they're reading and they're consuming and stuff like that. Right. To kind yeah. of change their mindset. So I, I thought that was really cool. I mean, I like the beginning. I like the, uh, the attack on his, um, the literary association. Well, I, I like how when they're going to kill his, I guess his girlfriend, they don't really tell you it's his girlfriend. It's his girlfriend. When he, when Jobert, Jobert goes, move away from the window, please. And she's like, I'll scream. He's like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that he almost doesn't like that he's killing a woman. I think it's just a job. It's just a job, but yeah. he's still not a he's not a fan of it, so he turns away and he's kind of like, Ugh. yeah. I think it's just it's just matter of fact what he does. He gets paid to do. There's a couple of lines in here that I thought I didn't. There's one line. Well, there's two lines. Well, let me get to the let me get to the first one. When Redford's talking to Higgins by the side of the water, and Higgins is saying he's talking about, oh, it's our community. He's a community. You guys are you guys really are kind. Come on, Higgins, who'd hire him? You don't look up Javert in the yellow pages. That's right. It'd have to be somebody in the community. Community. Intelligence field. Community. Jesus, you guys are kind to yourselves. Community. Like, I'm wondering if that's based off of his character or if that's just Redford's political affiliations. Because obviously Redford's a, a Democrat or somebody who is obviously not, not a conservative. He's somebody that's, you know... Very, he's very political uh, outside of his his work. Right. But I'm wondering if that line was because his character, while he is, works for the CIA, I never got the sense that he hated working for the CIA. He does kind of like butt, butt, butt heads against stuff, but he's still working. He's still doing stuff. Well, he, t he says that he doesn't like the fact that he has to keep secrets. I, I, I don't right. think he really likes it, but I think it's the only job that he can have. I get or he like I, he, he, he just he likes doing it. The job is he gets to read everything and right. that's his job. So I think that's why he keeps it. But I don't think he likes right. working for the government necessarily. The other line I like that he has is when he's talking to him again. He's like, what is it with you people? You think not being caught in a lie is the same thing as telling the truth. Now, that line is ver verbatim in Michael Clayton, also directed by Sandy Pollock. But also that line has some variation in other a lot of other Pollock movies like The Firm. They have this kind of like a variation of this line. It's a really good line. So I don't I, reusing it doesn't hurt doesn't bother me at all so i enjoy that line and then the last line i like uh, when he goes to the phone company and he calls them and they're trying to track him oh yeah they got the oldest tracking machine known to man and it's like <laughs> and he's like son of a bitch wired 50 phones everyone in brooklyn is talking to each, each other. other i thought that was great i like that too yeah. major got it let me see that what's he doing in brooklyn we can get a unit. Wait. What's going on, Major? Son of a bitch wired together 50 phones. What? Everybody in Brooklyn's talking to each other. I, I like, fuck the Wall Street Journal. I was like, oh, someone doesn't like the Wall Street Journal in this movie. Because oh, right, he's going to be holding the Wall Street yeah. Journal. Yeah. I love how, so I can't remember his friend's name. Is his friend named Marty? Is that the guy that they try to? So they go to I meet him. Was Stan. Was it Stan? I, I didn't remember the guy's yeah, name. I think it's so Stan. his buddy. They want him there when they're trying to quote unquote bring Condor in, but obviously you don't know at the time that Con, the guy who's going to bring him in, who is his section chief, is in on the alternate CIA. The CIA was the CIA. CIA yeah, he's going to kill him. I don't understand how Stan doesn't realize that he's about to get killed because the guy's setting up a garbage can. He's like off to the side. I would think he. I think Stan maybe realizes that he might be setting up Condor to get killed. I why? Is I, I, I don't think Stan that, realizes he's going to get killed because Stan, Stan was given a bulletproof vest. Well, I don't think I don't think he thinks that because he's supposed to have because Condor goes to the wife's they're have dinner apartment. Later. They're supposed to have dinner. Oh, I think I don't think he re thinks it when they first go. I think once they set up the barrels and then he kind of gets nervous because he's looking at the guy and Condor like, hey, what, what are you doing? But I don't right. think he at any point realizes his own life is really in danger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then okay. he gets it in the throat, which is like, oh, uh, but he doesn't move. Oh, well, run. Yeah. He gets 1970s dead. <laughs> well, that's like, that and then the fight, fight scene. Oh, yeah. my God. I don't mind it because I, I, I don't I don't listen. I I love John Wick and I like watching those type of movies where it's all choreographed. And it's great. 
but I don't mind a a, a fight that's not like you know trained or oh, you know, I, I don't mind that either. But I know the seventies; they love kicks. No one in real fight kicks that yeah, much unless they're trained. Like that guy does not know martial arts. That guy that yeah, that exactly. Kick, yeah. And then they kick, and it's like no one kicks like that. Yeah. Why are you kicking? Just no. It wasn't even just a regular kick. It was like this like roundhouse that he couldn't get over his yeah. uh, even get over his chest. It was like ooh, dude. No, well, there's there's one where Redford has to duck it. He Come does on. one high kick, and I'm just like, <laughs> well, they mess up her apartment. Punch you right in the balls right now, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, they mess up her apartment big time. <laughs> like when he just throws the umbrella, <laughs> the yeah. umbrella. Like, oh man, none of these guys know how to fight. But I, I, I like that because his character is not supposed to know how to fight. Right. He's not. He's so he's, he needs to accidentally right. kill the assassin. Basically. Oh, of course. He he wouldn't be able to do some kind of slick Bond move where he can like crack his neck or something like that. It's got to be right. happenstance or something like Although that. I don't, I don't like that he lets him into the apartment at all. Yeah, it's really he's so he's so cautious and nervous about everything, and then package like it just seems so random. And he just he's okay with it. You know? I mean, I, I get that he wants to not be suspicious and open the door. He I get signing for the package. But he should have been clued in once he realized the pen didn't work. He should have, because the guy's trying to yeah. get in the apartment. He well, should have known that. Here's the other thing. I, I don't believe a guy like Condor ever doesn't have three pens in his pocket at all times. <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> I'm Condor. This is my pocket protector. Exactly. He's got a pocket protector big time. Um, I don't know if you got a look at Robert Redford, but he is not a nerd. No, I, that was my first note. It's like <laughs> when he's supposed to be on this stupid little moped with his scarf and his stupid little tweed jacket. He's driving. I said, my first note, very first note for the movie is even looking like a doofus on that bike. Robert Redford is still cool as hell. Oh, of course. <laughs> but and but I believe that I could actually believe that Redford's like, I got this moped. Now you mind if I uh, just use it in the movie? Like, I can absolutely believe that. And he's really driving in traffic. Oh, yeah. You know, that's yeah. not like. Hey, let's set up all these cars and get on the back. And we're attach. Trolley, no, yeah. no. He's like, let's go. We're going to shoot this. They're really driving, which is another reason why I like watching films shot in the 70s, because it's so like not controlled. And there's a little I have a little appreciation for like the set not being as everything's perfect and controlled as oh, possible right, yeah. because you get you well, get like happy accidents and stuff like that. Well, that's why like the mistakes and stuff don't bother me as much. Right. Like I, I mentioned them that they're in there. Right. It's it's a product of the seventies, so I like mm-hmm. finding those little things. But yeah, it doesn't. That's just a product of the seventies. Even at the end, when he's across the street and he's yelling to Higgins to come across the street, like <laughs> those aren't extras. Yeah, that's just Redford going, out there. The hell? Yeah, like I mean, can you imagine like you're just walking in the city in New York and Robert Redford's running by you and you're like, what the heck is going on? And you just see the camera crew like, eh, whatever. Well, that's like um, when he runs out of the apartment building after he meets Stuart Stan's wife or whatever. Right. And he runs and he jumps over his truck and gets in his truck and then Max von Sydow is behind him. Yeah. There's a guy walking on the sidewalk and he just looks right into the camera like what the <laughs> fuck is going on? And I'm just looking at this guy going that's awesome. <laughs> but he keeps walking. He doesn't stop. Because There's probably somebody prof- behind the camera going he's professional. Yeah exactly. They're probably waving him on. That's awesome. Did you get him? Did you get him? Too, too late. It's too late. It's the shot's there. too it's good. It's in there. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's like it's almost like studio independent. You know what I mean? It's a big budget film. This was I have this note here. Let me let me get it. Big budget for the time. Excuse me. It's produced by the Dino De Laurentiis Corporation, but it's distributed by Paramount Pictures. So it's like it's a big time movie, big time. Actors, oh, yeah. But yet it's got a, it's got an indie feel to it. And I think that's probably why I like a lot of the 70s films so much, because it feels like something that I could have done, you know, obviously on a lower scale or somebody, an independent director. Something could you could do, do now. Yeah, right. Like it, there's an, they're just out there telling stories. They're not out there telling the perfect corporatized version of something. You know, I, I, I clearly have a real problem with uh, the machinations of the film industry at some point today. What, was it because of the article I sent you about how they're going to have an AI now check movies that they want to well, do? They, I read somewhere <laughs> that they've always had spreadsheets that do that. It's like, yeah, still, that doesn't make it better. Yeah. They've always had it. And the spreadsheets at least were looked at by humans. Film is an art form and it needs to be, you can be a craftsman at it, but you need to understand that it's still an art form and that that's not generated from a spreadsheet or from a computer. It's generated from people with experience. God, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have another question for you. Ooh, Why yes. is a, a British guy in charge of the CIA? Which guy? The guy in, the guy in charge. Uh, Houseman? Houseman? Wabash? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's well, British. In the, in the movie, he definitely is British. He's doing a British accent. Well, maybe he's trying to not do the British accent and he's failing. Mm, pretty sure he's really he calls it the great war and he's got the accent and well, well they don't hide to, it like i i just well he might have just come over from he might have maybe he grew up in uh uh england maybe he is a you know like an expatriate he was born in romania 
if that, if that helps you. Do an American all. accent. You're working for the He's CIA. He's a British and American Romanian actor. I guess he is British. But I mean, this is 1970, right? 1974, never 1975. Okay, so he's what at this time? He's probably in his. He's probably 80. He's he's 80. He's like in his late 70s. He grew up 50 years earlier, which would be in the 20s. I mean, he could have came over, come over from Britain and became an American citizen. I mean, yeah, I don't think they're making anybody with an accent. Director this year. Who are they gonna? Well, it's John Houseman. You're not gonna get it. He's there because who he is. I get it. But just watching the movie, I'm like, hmm, why is that Brit uh, the in charge of the in charge of America? Because spy he, agency. Because he makes money the old fashioned way. Yeah. <laughs> I became the CIA director the old fashioned way. I earned it. And I, everybody stands up. Smith Barnett. I was interested in how. They presented Higgins in terms of you don't really get the sense that he's a friend of Condor. He doesn't know him, but then he reads up on him and you think that he's going to help him out because he's going to discover the CIA within the CIA. But then right. they had that conversation after the phone tap where House was like, what do you want to see? How do you want to see yourself in the CIA? And instantly he's like, he's one of them now. And then Jobert tells him Condor goes to Atwood's house to kill him or to just basically find out what's going on. To get the truth out of him. Right. right. Jobert's there, he kills him, or and, and they make it seem like a suicide. But he tells him, I'm not here for you anymore. I'm working for the company now. The company's hired him. Yeah, they rehired me. Right. So he's, and then he tells him, proceeds to tell him that, you know, they're going it, to, it's good. You don't know when it's going to happen, but they're going to find you. They're gonna, it's going to be a friend, a friendly face, and he's going to come out of the car door, but you're going to realize the door's still open. And, you know, he's going to ask you to come in, and you're, basically, you're never going to see you again. That whole last scene is awesome. It would happen this way. You may be walking. Maybe the first sunny day of the spring. And a car will slow beside you. And a door will open. And someone you know, maybe even trust, will get out of the car. And he will smile. A becoming smile. But he will leave open the door of the car. And offer to give you a lift. But, like, that's... I never... Thought that Higgins was his friend. You know what I mean? I never had the like if it was Stan when they killed him off, it was if it was an actual uh, a close friend. Right. Well, I don't think at this point uh Condor has any more friends left in the agency. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, no. You've, you've killed burned. this guy and all his seven uh, patriots have been killed. Oh, well, you have to kill so him he, because he, he knows. Right. So Higgins is the last I wouldn't say friendly face. I think Max Monside is just saying that he doesn't really know Condor that well. Right. So he's saying could be a friendly face. Not really. He doesn't really have any friends. And Higgins right. is the last guy left that comes out. That now, do you think trust. that the CIA within the CIA is still in existence or they've just basically because Atwood was part of that. They killed them off. And now Higgins is just covering it up and he's going to move up within the CIA. I think they're still going to be the CIA. Like they said, they always play games. There's always right, a CIA right. in the CIA is okay. what he says. Right. So that's what I also like at the end. It's not like Condor gets the answers he was looking for, mm-hmm. but he doesn't win. He doesn't solve the issue it's still going to be an issue that's like i like um oh, what's the line oh do we have plans like when robert goes do we have plans to invade the middle east i was just screaming at the ring, oh do we <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always about oil and then it's like how do you know they'll print it yeah and, and it's uh, like it, they, they will they'll print it no when he yeah he's like he's like they've got it all of it and he's in front of the new york times building and then he's walking away he's like they've got it all and he starts to and like they'll print it and then his last line's like how do you know and he's just like and then they freeze frame. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, because the government can't go in and botch that story. Oh, they probably got people in the time. They probably they have relationships. And then the, oh, yeah. the managing editor of The New York Times is probably has a relationship with someone within the comp- within the State Department. And they're reached to by somebody from CIA. Lean on him. We can't have it. Yeah, it's, it happens all the time. Your wife looked really pretty in that red uh, sweater going to work. It would be, exactly. It would be too bad if uh, she had an exactly. accident on the way. It happens all that happens now. It happens all the time. Gas leaks happen in elementary happen. schools. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> So you you, so you liked it, but you didn't. I liked it, but I I don't love it as much as everyone keeps telling you to love it. Because people tell me how that's how, if somebody tells me, oh, it's so greatest greatest thing ever. My first reaction is, and I'm not a contrarian. That's not who I am. But if someone tells me it's the greatest thing ever, I do try to find you know things that sure. might be not right with it. And I I felt like it would make for a more interesting episode knowing that you really liked it. Yep. I didn't want to make it a love fest, so I, I found things I didn't like about it. It's it's not like French Connection mm-hmm. is be like. Amazing! I, love I would that say film. French Connection is a better movie right. than this movie, and I like all the presidents. It's not like I don't like movies. That's a better from movie the, than this movie. Yep. Yes, yep. 
this movie has a lot of stuff I like, and I can recognize the elements that have gone into spy movies that have taken place afterward, which I love mm-hmm. because I do love the spy genre. Um, I shouldn't say better movies. Excuse me. I should say I like those more. Yes. Yes. This is not a bad movie by any means. They're just they're just things that could have been done better. Well, why? And you- just because it's an older film doesn't mean that we can't look at it and dissect it and say what mm-hmm. could make it a better film or what was great about it. Like I say, the score. Right. Um, well, again, you don't like? Do you mean you as you don't like it? I don't like it. it. Yeah, I do like the bad. music, the po- the popular music they use in it, but I don't like the score. I don't like the need for Christmas, and I don't like the the relationship between Kathy and the Condor. That I don't like. Like you said, they're the two big stars, so you have to have it in there. But I don't feel like it was earned. Right. And Faye Dunaway is very attractive, and so is Robert Redford. Oh no! See, she's I'm not very, a big Faye Dunaway guy. Uh, at, at times, I'm like, oh, she's pretty, and then I'm nah. like, eh. <laughs> but, but like, eh, you had like uh, you were okay. married to. Very good-looking uh, leading people in this yes. movie. Well, how about know. this? Why do you think maybe this was... Because we chose it for Forgotten Cinema, so why do you think this is Forgotten? Just because it's 50 years old? It's... Holy crap, is it 50 years old? It's almost 50 years old. In four years, it'll so, be. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Anyways. It's so weird. Pick 19, I know. <laughs> I know, that's right. Um, <laughs> I think it's Forgotten because unlike French Connection, which... Like I said, be- probably because of the soundtrack and stuff, the funkiness. The French Connection looks gritty. It looks old. It's great. This movie kind of is stuck in its place. Mm-hmm. It's Sidney it's- Pollack. It's Robert Redford. But like you said, it's it's bookended by uh, all the president's men. And so, what came right yeah. before this? You listed something else that came right before this too. Oh, in terms of the conspiracy, his, or in, just uh, in conspiracy general? films or his film, uh, conversation, parallax view, yeah, stuff like that. It's and all then, over them. They're all together. So many of this type of movie, and then he does all the president's men right afterward, which right. is also reactionary to the time. Yeah, but it's such a classic movie, what? probably more yeah. than this. So same director, same cast member kind of it gets overshadowed it's not like people don't know the name three days of the condor i just think very few people have actually seen it i think it's a it's part of the reason why it's i guess people nowadays aren't watching it or like i mean if you're into filmmaking and movies and storytelling you really shouldn't watch this movie i I, we always have the same conversation if you tell me that you love film i mean then you need to watch movies that were back in the day because there are some really great stuff out there right but it's a movie that's of the time so it's of the 70s and then after the 70s you have the 80s which is just you have these conspiracy movies that kind of go away and you just have the I don't want to say glitz but the the day glow surface of the 80s like you know what I mean you have fun movies you have movies that are not too deep and they're movies that you know the 80s were the time of excess so you get right. like that kind of movie. Right. Yeah. you have the cocaine feel the, the cocaine party movies and then you you go into the 90s and you you kind of have more of the same it's an extension of the 80s you, you start having independent cinema so you start having like smaller told stories i guess you can you the yeah angst, that's what starts kind of getting angst. back into that yeah but yeah it, but it's more about like teenage angst and just angst for just angst's sake there's no reason why these people are just angry they're just angry yes and upset about whatever and then you have the 2000s where you where you I think you have an, it's an extension of that. And just kind of like now you're just you've started going into because I, I really think we're going to start getting back into some of these type of movies now, especially with just how everyone's a lot of younger people are more politically active. So I think you're going to start seeing that in the films. It's possible. I think any movie about government conspiracy and stuff like there's still movies that oh, they kind of like this, throughout. but yeah. it's just kind of like accepted now. It's like, yep. But, yep. but you're not going to have you're not going to like there. I We listed a bunch of movies that came out around the same time. You're not going to you're going to have every once in a while. You're going to have a movie here or there. Yeah. You know, like the post. So you think you're like going to have a bunch of movies. I'm, but you're not going to have just like I'm talking about like like let's say there's a huge scandal that happens. You're not you're not going to have like unless there is something like that. You know, they're not going to have eight movies that are going to come out. that are all based upon that. Really. You know what I mean? These right. Are, yeah. Right. A lot of the stuff that we have now are, are scandals because even like we had the post, we did the the. The one, the laundromat is is on Netflix. Is about the 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 papers uh, as well. I believe the the Panama Panama Papers. Yeah, yeah, um, stuff like that. So you you have all these movies that come up here every now and again. But back then, you the, it was almost every other movie was this kind of thing. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's also in the seventies. You have a lot of movies that are anti-establishment. Um, Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, this movie, just all the presidents men, just anti how things are always what they would be and, and you know the, the a lot of movies that are about change and about and about just like i said a lot of movies that are about change yeah but i feel like the reaction now the re- the reason you don't see that very often like now it's like the reaction is just like okay like the the cia within the cia that was probably shocking back then now it's like you watch a movie with CIA, you're like no shit can you imagine if like, somebody doesn't know 
Robert Redford, oh, they only know him from Captain America, Winter Soldier. I believe that. How sad is that? That's like half uh, our crew. How sad is that? Although a lot of people have seen Butch Cassidy in the Sundance. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's probably, I mean, that's probably, well, a lot of people have seen Butch okay, Cassidy in the Sundance. Are you talking general audiences or you're talking filmmaking I'm people? talking even general audiences probably have seen uh, Butch no Cassidy. Way. No way. Really? They probably don't even know the sting. They probably don't know who Paul Newman is. I always sound like old men. <laughs> I didn't see this thing until way afterward, well, but you, I've been seeing okay, Butch Cassidy so and Sons Kid for forever. 16-year-old kid, I like movies. What do you think he knows Robert Redford from? Not Butch Cassidy. It's got to be Captain America. He's probably seen it before or knows of it. The Natural? The na- oh, yeah, The Natural. The Natural Sports or Marvel. Movie. I would say The Natural or Marvel. That's, and that's unfortunate because you really should watch a lot of his movies because he's really good. Listen, I love Spy Game. In fact, I think he's, Spy Game's he's on the in list. a movie that he's in the, with Brad Pitt, who they're often compared in terms of their careers, and they look very similar. boyish, good looks, but yeah. have you know serious acting chops that are sometimes uh, disregarded because of their boyish good looks. Well, you look at him in in Three Days of the Condor, and like, like I'm gonna quote unquote older Brad Pitt. He's only like fifty, but Brad Pitt, <laughs> he looks a lot like Robert Redford now. He's got that kind of distinguished face, but that strong jawline, the same kind of hair. Like they they're very similar. Well, well to put your pants back. Listen, on. he's a handsome guy. They're both <laughs> handsome guys. They're both like very leading men looks, which is very like classic. Like this is a leading man. Okay. Which isn't very which has a wide range nowadays, but back then was like that's it. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Three Days of the Condor, you really should. And if you have seen Three Days of the Condor and you dis- you do not like what Mike said, feel free to email us <laughs> at forgotten cinema at pod forgotten cinema pod at gmail.com and let Mr. Butler know how wrong he is. You know what I like the most about the movie? That the, I just threw a plug in there? That the end of, I do like that they threw a plug. <laughs> but I think the end of the movie inspired the end of the born um uh, Oh the freeze the frame first one. That that freeze frame reminded me of like the ring ring and go uh, to the okay. movie there like you go. Dun, nice. dun, dun. like I imagine the movie music playing at the end of uh, Three Days of Condor. Maybe they should when they re-release it, they should just put Bourne's face in the background, like a young Bourne and a young kid. Like, <laughs> I think I want to join the CIA, Mom. <laughs> I heard this really cool conversation from the New York Times. It was really interesting. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, let us know what you think. Or if anything, follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, you can get us at our website at ForgottenCentralPodcast.com. Join us next week. We are going to be talking about Constantine. Keanu Reeves as the demon fighting. I don't know. What is it? No, demon fighting detective. I think he calls himself an exorcist. Right. Eh, whatever. So <laughs> that's what we're talking about next week. Like I said, hit us up. We take suggestions. Uh, we're happy to bump anything that we've already kind of slotted in for a audience suggestion. So please uh, feel free. Nice job, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you next week. Uh, Thanks a lot guys Uh, I'm Mike Field I'm Mike Butler And this has been Forgotten Cinema